Hey everybody, welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Nerdy Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Tom. Uh, it's a solo show tonight. Uh, we're going to do a uh, start kind of a series we're going to be doing uh, next few episodes. Uh, it's going to be a uh, pro wrestler related uh, series. Um, for our good movie, though, this is the good one. It's not going to feature a uh, major pro wrestler, but it's going to be definitely about pro wrestling. It stars Mickey Rourke. It's directed by Darren Aronofsky. It's from 2008. It is The Wrestler. Uh, easily one of the uh, darkest films, I think, ever to be made in the uh, early 2000, in the 2000 decade. But also probably one of the most ambitious films in that it's such a gritty and realistic and tragic film about essentially... I wouldn't call it one particular pro wrestler, but it seems to be a nice little uh, mesh of several famous pro wrestlers and kind of the downfalls they all had because of their uh, sport. Um, I'm a big pro wrestling fan. I started watching wrestling in the late 80s, early 90s, so you know, I recognize a lot of this stuff. I, I myself was pretty aware of some of the backstories on some of these guys. And, of course, also that it stars Mickey Rourke. It's also kind of a slight commentary on Mickey Rourke himself. You know, Mickey Rourke in the 80s was one of the, uh, was a pretty prominent leading man. Very attractive. Uh, And sometime about the early 90s, he kind of got, after too many bombs in the Hollywood, sort of became, went into the boxing world, which is what I think he initially started before he got into acting. And... uh, kind of became sort of a train wreck. You'd see him every now and then in, in different parts, in different movies. Usually, uh, mostly with uh, uh, Robert Rodriguez kept using him in different things like uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico <clears throat> and probably best used him in Sin City playing Marv. And his performance as Marv was gr- another great one, but he kind of didn't really follow up on it until he got this part. And uh, what's kind of interesting is, you know, if you see pictures of him, say, like, name 1982 and Diner, and say, now, you can't tell it's the same person. He, he admitted that he had a lot of bad plastic surgery from, you know, not having a lot of money to get proper surgery from the um, damage that boxing did to him. So, uh, and he's, you know, had his own, you know, drinking and drug problems. So it's and notorious, like, uh, when it comes to relationships. So not exactly one of the... Um, uh, healthiest people, but um, apparently among his friends, like Sean Penn and stuff like that, they're always one of their guys that always try to help out. So, for him to get this part was interesting. It's kind of a nice little um, comparison of Randy the Ram and uh, and uh, Mickey Rourke. Uh, director Darinowski admitted that initially they had uh, the to get the movie made. He uh, they wanted Nicolas Cage, and I think Nicolas Cage would have been an interesting choice. But he does he's not. You know, it wouldn't be the same. I think he could have done some of it exactly right. But you know, Nicolas Cage is not does not have that physique of looks like the hardened, beaten up, still but still going at wrestler now. There's been several very good documentaries actually about what life was like to be a uh, pro wrestler, especially in the in the twilight years. And this film is not even about twilight. This is about the the has been years, which a lot of unfortunately pro wrestlers wind up in. You know, some guys get you know the uh, Ric Flair s- situation where you know they get the uh, the big final match at WrestleMania, standing ovation kind of deal. Other guys for whatever reason find themselves working house shows in you know little armories in small towns once a weekend 
and or uh, occasionally we'll sign up for dangerous matches in like these uh, smaller uh, independent companies. You know, this film never once references the WWF, probably for you know, re- legal reasons. Although I suspect that they'd given this gotten in them involved they would have got a lot of participation from various uh wwe uh people vince i've heard apparently loved this movie you know they even tried to do a wrestlemania angle after this film came out <laughs> but um one of the things i think that should be discussed about this film is just the uh character this is such a great character study and unlike a lot of other darren aronofsky films you know they tend to be more uh surreal there's a lot more uh Darkness. Uh, the, the, well, granted, this film is very dark, but there's a lot more like psychic, uh, psychedelic themes. Requiem and Dream, Pie, you know, The Fountain, all those. They, you know, they tend to be that way. Even Black Swan has some uh, hallucination sequences. This film doesn't, but what this film really does do is shows darkness and more importantly, like contrasts. Um, one of the things I really love is also the editing. The editing in this film is fantastic. Not just the the acting, but the editing. Because they do a really good job of kind of cutting back and forth between what you see and what, what you what you don't see. What what the myth is and the breaking of the myth. Now, the film doesn't try to hide that you know wrestling matches are usually <clears throat> are almost completely staged. They are tend to be done on the sometimes they're done on the fly, sometimes they're not. They come up with you know ideas ahead of time usually the referees whispering to them or giving them signals of what to do next it's a you know it's choreography and i think it's interesting that uh, his uh, love interest played by marissa tomei is a stripper who you know she's got there's a whole myth about you know strippers and stuff like that and both of them are pl- basically playing characters that they're too old to be doing Mickey Rourke's in his 50s. He's not He's not in that physical shape that should be doing all this wrestling. And Rissa Tomei's in her... I think at this point, she, when she did this movie, she was maybe early 40s. And, I'll, you know, physically she looks great, but she's also at that point in her life where you can tell being a stripper is not something, you know, she's doing it. She's going to get as, as uh, financially successful as she did maybe 15 years ago. And you get the idea that... Her character, Cassie, has been one of the strippers that's been doing it for a long time. Probably, at one point, did did, did better at, at clubs than uh, currently is. And uh, one of the other things I love else is just those little details. Like, for instance, uh, early on, in, we see Randy uh, in one of his few matches. We actually see it's one of the low-grade ones. He uh, blades himself. Now, blading is, of course, a wrestling thing that's pretty taboo these days because of you know, all the worries about bloodborne illnesses. But wrestlers used to hide little razor blades in their, usually in, in their tape fist, and then whenever uh, and tried to distract during a distraction by somebody else, they would cut themselves, and usually right above the eye or in the forehead quickly just enough to cause bleeding and the bleeding would add more uh um sometimes the crowd would think it's awesome sometimes it would scare them you know the idea is supposed to add more realism to it you know the idea of getting your going color you know wrestling there's a lot of wrestling lingo in here uh and of course when you see the hardcore match which is so so brutal they do a really neat thing and i've always said this the editing in this film is entirely shows just the details about those little weird things and we get this you know the when we see the hard match we actually see almost see it in reverse because we see at the beginning we see the what we first see is essentially the ending the final mover randy defeats the guy by shattering a uh, looks like plexiglass window on his head and finally being able to knock this guy out and then we cut to them going backstage and ems as you can see they're all 
cut up, bloody, you know, so forth. And then we cut to, we intercut back to bits of him, him and the guy talking about what they're going to do. We see it, we see the insane wrists. You see them hitting each other with trash cans, using a staple gun on each other. And of course, we see them pulling the staples actually out of it. It's not a rig staple gun, they're actually stapling each other. So there's people with like, uh, there's looks like EMS workers pulling the staples out of them, trying to. You know, they're covered in blood and so forth. You see them hitting each other with chairs, see them jumping off a ladder. It's like, it's insane. You see the crowd screaming. And it's, you know, 2007, I believe, when they filmed this. And, you know, by this point, you know, uh, hardcore wrestling is pretty much a uh, thing of the past. So there is some argument this might have been supposed to be set maybe like the late 90s, early 2000s when this stuff was still extremely popular. And the crowd's. They're not saying ECW, but what they're chanting is almost a variation of ECW. And you get the point is this, you know, he's doing a one-off match for this organization for like a pay-per-view. And it's going pretty bad for him. You know, once again, Randy's one of those wrestlers that he's more of a traditional wrestler. For him to be doing this stuff, not a good idea. Now, have you ever seen, if you're interested, watch the movie like Beyond the Mat. They do a great kind of, it's a documentary where you see a lot of the, you get the idea that Beyond the Mat was an inspiration for this screenplay. And specifically, when we talk about the origin of the Ram, he's basically a combination of three wrestlers. Um, his wrestling moves are very much like Macho Man Randy Savage. Savage, I believe, was still alive when the movie came out. But had was once again one of those guys who was still doing it in lesser extent, but nowhere near as successful as he had been in the 80s and early 90s. Uh, his look is definitely based more on Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan has lied and said he was supposed to be played the part, but there's no way they would offer it to Hulk Hogan. He does not have that kind. He would not be willing to play that kind of pathetic. And probably the most specific when it comes to all the train wreckness, that's definitely got to be. Jake the Snake Roberts. There's been quite a few documentaries where Dick Sink gets brought up a lot. Where you have one of the probably one of the best wrestlers that you know could have been bigger and bigger, but raging alcoholic, in and out of trouble, always getting you know, never getting along with uh, people after a certain point, point. Um, and you know details like uh, a relationship with a daughter that he's barely in touch with, and you know of course that's brought up in this film. You know, it's definitely you, you, if they called him the snake, it would have been or the, the rattler. That would have been about as obvious as you could get that this was mostly a, a Jake the Snake story. But you know, interesting enough, none of these wrestlers had died, and this film basically implies that one of them, you know, that Randy dies at the end, or maybe he doesn't. It's ve- it left a little vague. Although the director has said it was supposed to end with them showing him dying. But I, I like that idea. You see him climbing up, making this last jump, or is he? You know, or is this kind of a is he collapsing and thinking he's winning this match? You know, this final match where he's fighting the sh- you know, the Sheik, who's ba- or a, a version of the Iron Sheik, you know, I think it's supposed to be the Ayatollah. And the guy he's fighting is Ernest Miller, who had been in the WCW for quite a while. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's clearly they're trying to pay homage to Hulk Hogan versus the Iron Sheik. And uh, like I said, it's one of those movies where if you know you're wrestling, you, you see all the clues. If you don't know you're wrestling, it's it's quite a shock. But more importantly, it's those little moments too. What is the you know he barely makes money wrestling. He's constantly getting kicked out of his trailer. You know we see him come home. He's been evicted from his trailer because he's behind his rent. He has to sleep in his van. And not only is he sleeping in his van, 
he's got a video game set up where he plays himself in a video game that he used to be in. You know, there's a lot of those wrestlers. They were in those 80s video games that, you know, they're in bad shape financially because, you know, and his day job, which he has a day job, is working back, you know, back area of a grocery store. You know, he's mostly loader. And at one point, they have him working on the deli car. You know, and, but, you know, I've worked in grocery. I've done both. It's a lot of hard work. And you know, there's a lot of these guys, that's all they do. And they're just, you know, they, uh, you know, that's just kind of the situation they're in. You know, I've, I've managed, I've had to work with on both sides of that. And it's not a fun situation. Another thing I really love about this film is just the uh, kind of low keyness of it. There's no, there's, it's not loud. Yeah, and it's kind of neat. There's some bits like you hear Sweet Child of Mine by uh, Guns N' Roses. Axel's friends with Mickey Rourke, so he let him have the song for free. Bruce Springsteen wrote a song. I believe it was nominated for an Oscar. He wrote it for free. Uh, This movie was all about respect and love to the director and to uh, the star. Another thing I think is interesting is, uh, you know, we we get some... Now, I would say this. This section where we see... um, The section with his daughter, played by Evan Rachel Wood, it's interesting that... It could have been a. Um, it could have gone either way. Apparently, in the script, they they worked around it. First, the idea is that his daughter tried to reach out to him, and then versus the other way around, he tries to reach out to his daughter. And in typical fashion, he screws it up. And I think that's. I like the idea that he's trying to make amends, but in reality, he's not. He's never going to change. And I think the fact that everything goes the way it goes for him is. A lot of it's self-inflicted. The only thing he can truly feel happy about is the is basically the crowd cheering him on. And when he goes to that match at the end, you know, it's a, it's a big crowd. He's getting applause for, it, but you can tell he's not in good shape. He's had a heart attack after that hardcore match. And you know, another thing I love is you know, we see him get out of the hospital. You know, they hand him an envelope that the promoter left him, which was like a few few hundred bucks you know maybe a few thousand bucks i don't know but you know sure that didn't cost wouldn't cover the medical bills he's gonna have and i don't think he really cares he's probably got medical debt up all over the place you know we see him constantly using steroids to see him offering to hook up a um, strip club guy with uh pills you know the guy he's got drug problems and a lot of those wrestlers from that era have bad drug problems because they were using pain pills and steroids and everything else and of course this film comes out not long after the uh chris benoit murder suicide tragedy and which was uh, most likely related to head injuries and uh, steroid use and I, I think, once again, it's a great look at what, you know, essentially, you know, what drives wrestlers. Roddy Piper apparently cried after he saw the film because he said there's no movie understood what it's like to be them. Because all they care about, all that matters in the end is the chair of the crowd, the cheers or the jeers. You can either be loved or hated. And if, you, if you're if you good at your job, you'll, you'll, make, you'll love it when they hate you and you'll hate it when they love you kind of situation. It's such a weird deal. I uh, highly recommend if you haven't seen this, please you know, look it up. It's a great, great film. It is not a, you know, like most Aronofsky films, it's not a pleasure fest. You're going to feel rough after it, but you're going to feel like you, you got a movie. I mean, you got an experience. You know, Aronofsky films are uh, something to be calm, discussed a lot, and we'll discuss more of his uh, as the show goes on in future episodes. But uh, uh, anyway, um, 
I my name is Tom. I hope you enjoy this fi- you enjoy this episode. I hope you go see this movie. You haven't seen it. I'm pretty sure it's available on most streaming platforms. Anyway, uh, my name is Tom. This is Good, the Bad, and the Nerdy Podcast. This, you're li- this was the Good, the Wrestler.